Hello, and welcome to Make It Clear, a conversational podcast about all things related to water and wastewater. I'm your host, Angela Bounds, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sean Rapp. In each episode, we'll tackle a relevant topic with facts and expert opinions and make things clear. Hello, everyone. Hi, Sean. Hey, Angela. Hi, Mike. Hi, Angela. So today we have Mike Saunders with us. Mike is... Mike, do you want to tell them who you are? I am the National Sales Manager for Municipal and Commercial Systems at Aranco. So today we're going to be talking about a municipal system. So for us, that means a system that serves a community most of the time. We're going to talk about Vero Beach and what's going on down there, what's happened down there, and a little bit about the project as we've worked on it. So, Mike, why don't you tell us a little bit about Vero Beach? Sure. Actually, you know what? First, I'm going to talk a little bit about my time in Florida because I spent 26 years there and 10 years as a uh, utility engineer on the west coast of Florida. And uh, Vero Beach hits a little close to home because as a utility engineer, when I got hired, uh, we were on the verge of trying to put gravity sewer into 60,000 septic systems. And uh, failed miserably. The program got too expensive. We had a public revolt, people lining up to scream at commissioners. And I think that kind of launched me on a, on a thought process that there's got to be better ways to do this. So Vero Beach is something that uh, you know, really strikes home with me as, as you know, some out-of-the-box thinking in a way that you can do septic to sewer a lot differently. It's interesting that you mentioned that thought process and how it came about because I I think that really speaks to how we came about as an organization as a whole and and why why Arenko's even here. You know, we've talked about that quite a bit in previous podcasts, but that's really what sparked it was we were trying to help a community and it, it was going to be really expensive. And there had to be a better way. And the number of times that we've heard that, well, there has to be a better way to do this than gravity sewer. And you you found the solution. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, in Vero Beach, they they have an interesting scenario. I mean, they... They're actually their claim to fame was as Dodger Town. They were the the spring training home of the Los Angeles Dodgers for thirty years. But when the Dodgers left town, they were they were left with a spring training complex, and mm-hmm. and you know the beaches and the environment took over as the main reason people went to Vero Beach. And so today's image of Vero Beach is a lot different. They are uh, the Indian River Lagoon is central to their city. The manatees are regularly seen in there. Fishing is a is a large attraction, and uh, try to imagine what that looks like when you have algae blooms and fish kills, and that's not good for the city. So, I, I mean, really, Vero Beach did what a lot of communities should do, or are in the process of doing, is recognizing that they really have to look after their environment around their city, and so that and, that natural environment is really important to Vero Beach. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I mean, and anybody who follows the news knows that algae blooms are becoming more and more predominant along both coasts of Florida. 
Right. They, there's red algae heading for the coast right now, isn't there? From there two is. separate and, spills. Yeah. And then and in the intercoastal areas, you see a lot of green algae, which is predominantly because of nutrients that enter the waterway. And So where are those nutrients coming from? So there's a lot of different sources. I mean, fertilizer is one. Agriculture, but in coastal Florida, I mean, agriculture isn't the biggest contributor. One of the bigger ones is actually wastewater that's not treated properly. And in the case of Indian River Lagoon, uh, there is a lot of aging and failing septic systems. And so that's, that's what Vero Beach, that was something they could control. And, you know, that's what they went after. They had, they had 1,500 of them. <laughs> 1,500 aging septic systems? They did, yeah. And of those 1,500, 1,000 actually dated back before 1983, which makes them especially a, a problem. And why is that? Why are so, those 1983 <laughs> systems? Yeah, it sounds a little weird that there's actually a line in the sand, but uh, prior to 1983, there was different regulations on septic systems in Florida. You Basically, you could build a home and you could install a septic system at the natural grade. And uh, what happened was that a lot of times the bottom of those drain fields really didn't have much separation, if any, mm-hmm. to the existing groundwater. And uh, so, you know, right from the get-go, septic systems were built before 83, probably were discharging partially treated wastewater into the environment. But with rising sea levels and, and rising groundwater tables, uh, many of those systems are actually in the groundwater today. So, so try to think about a thousand systems before 1983. Uh, to put it in another frame, that's between 150 and 200,000 gallons of partially treated or not treated wastewater that is actually entering into that ecosystem. Which is just crazy when you think about it. Yeah, and Vero Beach is just a small part of the puzzle. Right. I mean, it's I not think just in, happening in Vero Beach. Oh, no. It's, These uh, are issues that are... Yeah, there's, I think there's 2 million septic systems plus in Florida. And just in Indian River County, where Vero Beach is, the actual... There's actually more than 20,000 existing septic systems along the Indian River Lagoon. So it's, it's a big, big problem. So like how did been, yeah. Arend- Oh, go ahead, Sean. No, I was going to say, it, just, it sounds like that really would be a really big problem. I mean, you've got all this aging infrastructure and these septic systems that are more like ticking time bombs, essentially. Because yeah. you've got tanks that probably weren't made to standards that we have today. And you've got, uh, you know, concrete that's probably reaching its life expectancy. and. So yeah, and, and, there really, and, and there really is no, no easy fix. I mean, if you, if you, I mean, basically the home elevations are established by these drain fields. So, so if you had a drain field at grade, that meant that the finished floor or the, the slab elevation of the house was just marginally higher than the drain field. And uh, the problem is if you want to come back and now raise the elevation of that drain field to, to meet current standards, you end up with this big, ugly mound in your yard and it's pretty evident. Uh, I used to ride my bike around an area like this, and uh, it was very noticeable <laughs> when somebody had to update their septic system because they had this big mound uh, in their yard between the between the home and the, the street. Well, because that's all they would do, right? They would just mound up dirt, right? Yeah, to create a new drain field, and then have to pump their wastewater up into this drain field, and you know, at least, and, and that's not cheap. I mean, that's very expensive and still isn't really the long-term fix. Right. Well, it's not very aesthetically pleasing either because then you no. lose your, your, uh, street view. And well, yeah, and these are, these are, you know, expensive. This is expensive real estate. You know, when well, we start yeah. talking about homes that are on intercoastal waterways and. Well, the, yeah. and the lot sizes are not large, right? 
No, I mean, most of Florida was platted at quarter acre lots. That was the standard, standard right. size. So <laughs> not a lot to work with. So I know so, a lot about other projects we've got going on. How did Renko get involved with this one? Well, I guess uh, credit goes to a, uh, a creative leader at Vero Beach. So after one of the hurricanes, uh, they actually had quite a bit of damage in Vero Beach. And they were able to use some of the money from, from the relief fund from the hurricane to actually address a small area of 60 homes with sewer. And uh, so they put gravity sewer in. And the challenges they saw just to do 60 homes, ripping up the roads, dewatering to put deep pipes in the ground. It was in, something that was in the news constantly. And you know, in a small city of 17,000, this got everybody's attention. They saw what happened mm-hmm. just to serve 60 homes with gravity sewers. So when you start talking about 1,500 homes, it quickly was seen as not, not the appropriate o- option to, to solve the problem. And interestingly, they actually had a public vote to approve funding for Gravity Sewer, and they only got 14% support. Interesting. So <laughs> I've been there, done that. I mean, when I worked in government, when you don't have public support, you don't have support of the elected officials, uh, you got to find another solution. And uh, like I say, credit, credit to the leaders at Vero Beach. They saw what we had been doing, and uh, we started talking and showing them uh, how our model was very different. And uh, next thing we knew, they shortened the timetable and they reduced the cost, and off they went. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about what made or makes gravity sewer construction challenging? So just, I mean, imagine, and this is true of all coastal areas, I mean, uh, you may only have two to four feet down to the existing groundwater table. Uh, to compound the problem, these are coastal communities, a lot of them are, are I would say, is a uniform sand, meaning that it's, it's, it can move very easily. And now think about the struggle going down an existing roadway and trying to dig a trench, you know, as deep as 12 or 15 feet to install this pipe system and manholes. And then, and to do that, you have to excavate the soil, you have to dewater, which means uh, you put in basically a series of wells along the excavation and pull the water table down. And then when you excavate this soil, you have to take it somewhere temporarily and usually bring it back uh, to backfill. Because you're just talking about a normal, average neighborhood road. These are not wide country roads. They're neighborhood roads. Yeah, no, I mean, you literally have to remove the road and then rebuild it Mm -hmm. once you're done. And, and, uh, you know, citizens can't, uh, basically, they have to park down the road. They can't even get into their driveways often. You know, and this can be especially challenging. Everybody knows every, you know, Florida's uh, known for is a retirement community. So try to imagine even the logistics of, you know, people that need assistance to get in and out of their homes. And how do you manage that if they, <laughs> they can't get in and out? So how is that contrasted by liquid only sewer construction? Well, that's, uh, I guess one of the, the coolest things that I saw in Vero Beach was the first time I saw the use of availability cost. And what is meant by availability cost is, well, what is the cost to put connect or collection mains in the ground ready to connect homes to? And Vero Beach quickly grabbed onto this concept of availability cost. It's, it's all you need is two-inch pressure mains. In almost all other areas, they installed shallow bury two-inch pressure mains. And in Florida, shallow bury is typically three feet deep. 
to make things better, they didn't even have to put in trenches. They directional bored a lot of their pipes. So there was no open cuts. There was no road closures. In fact, many residents don't even know the pipe was installed because it's being done 400 feet down the road. And, you know, the, the, the concept of focusing on this availability cost is what Vero Beach did really well. Uh, the availability cost was really low. I think it was less than 10% the cost of the gravity system that they had already done uh, to make sewer available. And uh, they built the whole program around, around that concept. So, Sounds like it was a more favorable approach then at that point, especially <laughs> oh, yeah. for the uh, residents of Vero Beach. Well, right. absolutely, yeah. I mean, you know, one of the scariest things when you commit to putting in a centralized sewer system is managing costs. That's the first thing. And, you know, traditional methods of doing that is you... You determine how much it's going to cost, and you assess property owners their pro rata share of that cost. So if you imagine an 80 by 120-foot lot, it's the cost basically of putting gravity sewer in front of this 80-foot lot, and you get to split it with the person across the road. And, and that, can, that cost uh, can range anywhere. I think the cheapest I've seen is about $20,000, and uh, in other communities that I've seen, the size of 100000 now, try to imagine, there's no conceivable way, really, that that individual property owner can manage a $100,000 cost. So then your schedule is driven by trying to find supplemental money in the form of grants or something else to make that sewer affordable. But Vero Beach, they, they were starting at a cost of less than $1,000 a home to make sewer available. So they chose liquid-only sewer. Mm-hmm. And how did that work out for them? Well, it's great. Say they got the sewer in without really any pushback from the public. Mm -hmm. Uh, To make matters even better, they were able to secure grant money towards that that project. I think they got about $540,000 from uh, the St. John's River Water Management District. Uh, The city actually created some mechanisms to encourage people to connect promptly and contribute money towards their connection. And, And off they went. I think the other thing that was really interesting that they did I always say this is that people, the first thing people get upset about when they're in these programs is how much it's going to cost them. And the second thing they get upset about is the investment they have in their existing system. And, and the sad thing is, is if you look at a typical street, you're going to have uh, homes that have failed systems, these pre-1983 systems that, right. that failed 10 years ago and have been in trouble ever since. And then you're going to have somebody that's replaced their system with something that's completely up to spec. And then you're going to have a new home that has maybe even has something that's built that exceeds the uh, the standards. And typical wisdom is is that you're going to treat all these the same. And people get very upset, understandably, if they have a twenty five thousand dollar investment in their on site system. And uh, Vero Beach actually showed flexibility towards those properties. Is that if if the health department said you had a problem, you connected to the sewer uh, systems that were newer and met standards, mm-hmm. they were allowed to live out some of their useful life. So they're still connecting people to the sewer. But uh, again, I, I just really want to emphasize is the neatest thing about Vero Beach is the creativity and how they leverage some of the, the differences in, this, in, in, in liquid-only sewer versus gravity sewer. So how many people are currently connected? So out of the 1,500 they fronted, I believe they still have about seven or 800 to connect out of that. So about approaching about 50% of the homes are connected. Interestingly, I had read an article couple months ago where the health department actually gone out and, and done an evaluation of the ones that were connected. And now mm-hmm. they have another list of people that they're going to ask to connect. Gotcha. And the, goal... and the good thing is it's cheaper to connect to the sewer system than it would be to replace the onsite system. So these are obviously at this point, willing participants. Uh, 
It saves them money. It does, yeah. Yeah, look at it as an insurance policy. Right. So the goal is to get them all connected immediately. Absolutely, yeah. In the short term. Yeah. So is the lagoon getting healthier? Uh, Slowly. So remember, Vero Beach is just a small part of, of all the systems that are along Indian River Lagoon. And I guess what's really interesting about Vero Beach, they were really ahead of everybody else. I mean... Some of these, I think they all started recognizing the problem around the same time. And Vero Mm -hmm. Beach has been done there for five years. Right. And there's other communities that are still focused on more traditional methods that are still stuck. They're still in line for money. They're still trying to sort out the logistics. And think about, you know, this was just, you know, 1,500 septic systems, a couple hundred thousand gallons a day. Well, what if they'd gotten the other 18,500 at the same time? How How many nutrients would that have saved going into the lagoon? So is there a plan for that? Do they have a plan? I mean, shouldn't they be looking at the success of Vero Beach and trying to expand that beyond into the rest of the lagoon? Well, obviously my opinion is yes. (laughs) It's, you know, it's a tough world we live in. There's still, even though proof's in the pudding, there's still people that that, uh, believe what we've done for decades is what we should still do. and don't want to bend off that. And I guess, like I said, it's, uh, it takes a lot to change people's views sometimes, but Vero Beach is a great example if people really look at it and understand how different it really was. And it's working. And it's working. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's been in for five years now. Yeah, yeah actually six now, I guess. Yeah. And what does the future look like going forward? I mean, do they have room to expand? Are they planning anything like that? Or? No, Vero Beach is pretty much built out. So this was an infill. So Vera Beach is pretty much done. I think they've got some small areas that they still need to deal with, but for the most part, they they identified the need, they found a solution, and they did it. And like I said, mark it on the calendar. They're six years ahead of all everybody else in the area. Awesome. So they're basically just going to focus on finding those systems that are doing yeah. surveys on systems and making sure yeah. that folks connect in the future. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, there's a saying, you know, that 20% of the you know, 20% of the systems cause 80% of the problems. And I think that's something that we should really acknowledge here is when you look at failing septic systems, this is exactly what happens is the failing systems contribute most of the problem. And if you can create a mechanism to get those quicker and offline faster and, you know, maybe show a little leniency towards, towards the ones that are working, I think that's a really a good recipe for success. The, the bad part is, is sometimes when you get into these really expensive programs, you need everybody to connect right away because you need them to pay for it. I, and, I was actually just thinking that the phased approach, which is one of the big benefits, right, of going with mm-hmm. a liquid-only sewer over a gravity sewer, which is what you're kind yeah. of alluding to with a gravity sewer. You need everybody to connect at once generally. And one Yeah, of the, I mean, one of, the, one of the biggest fallacies is that gravity sewer is gravity. Especially in Florida, Florida is flat as a pancake. So you don't have topography to work with. So everything flows to list stations. And I, I want to say in Florida, you're probably you're probably looking at one list station for every couple hundred customers on average. Those list stations aren't cheap. I mean, you're talking several hundred thousand to build one. Operation maintenance costs can easily run uh, north of $10,000 a year. So it doesn't work very well if you only have five people connected and you've got this capital cost to deal with and the operating cost. So what's what's really different about liquid only sewer is that there's very little, there is no lift stations and there's very little O and M in the collection mains. 
And essentially, the only time you have an O&M is when you put an on-site unit. That's where your O&M costs are. And coincidentally, as soon as you do that, you have a revenue-paying customer. So there's always this relationship between expense and revenue that gives you this flexibility to tie in people when you want. Uh, the other thing that's interesting is that the mains behave really like a water main. We don't have solids to, to settle. And, and so what that means is that they can be extended basically like a water system wherever we want. And you can deploy these systems surgically. So if I have a street that doesn't have any homes on it, I can skip it. If I have a street that's all pre-1983 septic systems, you can run up that street and connect all of them. And you can, you can basically install it where you need it when you need it. Surgically. Surgically, yes. I do love that word. Well, is there anything else that you think the listeners need to know about Vero Beach? Well, just um, I think one of the, the difficulties for any community uh, that is faced with this predicament is I, I always say the first step is really understand your options and, and you know, look at other communities and what they did and what made them successful. Because I think one of the difficulties, and we see it all the time, is that a community gets down a road on a, on a decision that they made and five years later, they can't turn around. I mean, even though they might recognize that they're on the wrong road, they've invested so much time and effort uh, once, you've, once you reach that point that so I would suggest is upfront, make sure you have all your information and that you really understand what, you know, what's out there. Good. And of course, that's liquid only sewer. <laughs> and that's liquid only <laughs> sewer. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Mike, we really enjoy having you on the show. You are a wealth of knowledge and I love talking about all of these topics with you. I think we're all very passionate about cost-effective solutions that actually work for both the community and the environment. So again, thank you for joining. We appreciate you being here. Well, thank you very much, Angel. We want to thank you again for joining us today. Before you go, don't forget to subscribe where you listen to podcasts so you're notified when new episodes are posted. Also, you can leave your comments or suggestions through the contact link on our website, www.arenco.com. Until next time, have a great day.